Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Betting. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbetting.com. From baseball's top personalities, the Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players, five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> <laughs> you would say this is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We have some of the brightest minds in baseball on with us today. Dan O'Dowd, former GM, now broadcaster for MLB Network. Former GM, now a broadcaster for Sirius XM MLB Channel. Jim Duquette, and he does a lot of stuff with the Mets. And then, of course, my guy, the host of MLB Now and broadcaster for MLB Network, Brian Kenny. But we start with a guy, A, on MLB Network, when they've got to talk about the issues and what's going on, front office, players, trade, signing, they go to one guy, and that's Dan O'Dowd. Do you know who you go to all? I mean, I think he was on all day long. Right? Yeah. I think he was on all day long. And he had, they put his, he came up with, they put it on a graphic. And it was phenomenal. Talking about trade deadline deals, I even wrote it down, and I've been using it. The great Dan O'Dowd joins us here on A's Cast Live again. And, Dan, I hope all is well. I hope all is good with the family and the new family business. And I got to tell you, I wrote down the thing that you put together, and it blew people's minds about the prospects at the trade deadline. How are you? Chris, how are you? Good to hear you. Good to see you again, man. Thanks for having me on. No, I just I, I tell people all the time. I, I we love the ex players. Ex players are great, and they give you great insight. But to me, when you have somebody that has the resume from Colorado to Cleveland, all the things you've done in baseball and building teams and everything, I think it's so important that you're around, especially like the trade deadline, to add that perspective. You were on all day long. Every single time I kept going back, you were on. Uh, it was fabulous stuff, but that that what you gave us with the prospects, how many guys don't make it, 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 it is truly alarming because all we sell at this time is all oh, you got right. the unknown prospect is better than the known. Yeah, you know, I think the key there is, Chris, for me, I, the point I was trying to get across is like we always talk about players that within the game that clubs want to acquire, you really just have to know your own players exceptionally well. And there's different lists of players within an organization. There's impact guys, there's contributors, there's value players. The impact guys, you should not trade unless you're getting back an impact player that you actually control for a while, or you're this close to being able to get into a, put yourself in a great position to go to the world series. The rest of those guys, they're all in fair play. And yet as an industry, we hoard these prospects as if, you know, they're gold. And if you just look at the past trading deadlines for, I did it from 2013 on, there's just not many of the players that are traded that end up being impact players at the big league level. So I thought it would just give a good perspective. When we talk about all the young players that are traded, how many are actually going to make an impact for the team that's inquiring them? 
it was great because when they because they actually used it for a couple days. When Bob Costas the next day is putting up your graphic and and then you go, hey, this thing's powerful. I wrote it down and I've been using it. And I just think about in your career all the great players that you've been around, as we mentioned, all the different places that you've been. See, I mean, you've been around Hall of Famers. You've been around some of the greatest players. I mean, yep. would you would you do it differently if you were to do it all over again, how you dealt with prospects, star players, trading players? Would you do it differently? Well, some of the markets that I was in, Chris, um, we didn't have a lot of budgetary flexibility, so prospects – ended up playing such a huge role for us because we couldn't bottom fill with the free agent market in any way, shape or form. And some of the ownership groups I was with weren't like uber aggressive at the trading deadline. They, they wanted the teams built for more sustainability. Like in Cleveland, the one thing Dick Jacobs, who was a wonderful owner to work for, what he said to John Hart on all the time, he goes, you know, you guys do what you want to do, but I don't ever want to stink. So I'd love to win but I don't want to win at all cost. And so we never really like made that Randy Johnson trade or that trade that maybe could have got us over the hump because of the depth of talent that would have cost us. Cause I thought we did a really good job in evaluating our own players and started other organizations for that matter too, and trying to acquire our players. And um, we just, so all the ownership groups where I work for were always more about wanting to put the teams in a position each year to have a chance to play meaningful games in September, knowing October is a crapshoot. So a lot of the decisions you make as a GM, believe it or not, come from the, the overall direction of what the ownership group wants to do that you're involved with. You know what it's like to be in a really tough situation as the leader. Of oh, the yeah. Fran- yeah. I mean, you were you're the leader of the franchise. You're the leader yeah. from the top to the bottom. David Force right now, with all the stuff going on that's out of his control, it's out of his control, and all the stuff, and Billy Bean had it, it's now been passed to David Force, ballpark stuff, business stuff, all that, the front office has no control over that. Just tell us, from what you've dealt with, and just kind of stepping in the shoes of David Force, how tough it is to have all the chaos around you, and you have no control. You just can focus on what you can control, and that's the baseball. Chris, that's really well said. I'm actually not even sure I can say it any better than that. Um, but, you know, the reality of it is sometimes you're just handed a deck of cards that the only thing you can do at that point in time is look down the road. With every decision you make, the reality of it is is as important as big league games are each and every night in, in David's world, because I lived that world in Cleveland from 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93. I mean, we're losing between 95 and 100 games a year. And in Colorado in the after 2000, 2001, basically up to 2007, we were horrible. And so you just got to, you know, you, you don't, I mean, the, the losses, even though you know you're going to lose, the losses still kill you. I mean, it's just, I can't tell you how miserable losing games are from a front office perspective, but you take solace in the fact if you see progress of players that you drafted and began to develop starting to make meaningful strides in their player plan to be as good as they can be, that gives you hope. Now, what's really hard for David, which wasn't as hard for us, like in Cleveland, we knew Jacobs Field was getting, we saw the dirt being built. We, we knew it was going up. We knew how much more revenue that was going to mean to us. In Colorado, we had a beautiful venue, high attendance even when we stunk. David just doesn't even know any of that. So as he tries to time the wave of the next opening in the A's window of opportunity to win, he doesn't even know when that is. And so I can't imagine, I don't think I've ever been through with something as difficult as what David is going through right now. And I And I just... I hope he understands that he's got like Galloff shows like he's a keeper. You know, Butler comes up and start to show some signs. Susex had a really good year in high A. Like all of those things have to mean something to you now because you literally are fighting a losing battle night in and night out at the big league level. I know you were asked a ton about Shohei Otani will stay in division, about whether to trade him or not. Obviously, they made the decision not to trade him. Now you're going to get asked about how do you sign him? How do you how do you go about that? And recently, we've noticed cramps, and it's yeah. in his legs, <laughs> in his hands. Obviously, it's a skill set we've never seen before. It's the I don't call him the greatest player. I just say it's the greatest skill set we have ever seen. He could be one of the all-time greats, but you'd need longevity. But 
it's a skill set like no other. But now, as a general manager, you have to think about that. If I'm going 10 years or whatever, and he's in his prime, and we're now dealing with cramps and dealing with fatigue, how do you factor in as a general manager, whether you're keeping him with the Angels or you're someone like the Dodgers, how, how do you factor this in? Does it scare you? Oh, it does. I mean, this is the most complicated contract. Uh, I think that uh, we could actually say in the history of the game to try to actually put a valuation number on it. I will say, Chris, I think he means more to the Angels than any other team in the game. I think they they know from a measurable standpoint exactly what their ROI is on Shohei Otani. Any other market does not know that. They know like how much this guy actually means from a revenue standpoint and what he does to that for that franchise. And so I once they made a decision not to trade him, I can't believe they can let him go. Now, he may have already made his mind up he's going to leave. But I just, once you made that decision to not acquire any talent for him at all, you almost are in a position where you got to do everything humanly possible to convince him to stay, including money. Saying that, um, I don't think you can value this contract moving forward that if it's a 10-year deal, I don't think he's going to be a starting pitcher for 10 years in the future. I just don't. You already see some physical wear and tear. He's a tired young man right now trying to do what he's trying to do. And fatigue leads to injury at some point in time. I said this early on. I'll say it again. I eventually seen him to be a John Schmoltz where he'll be an everyday position player. he would be your back end closer because it's less wear and tear in that role than the other role in the game. But I just can't see how physically he could hold up trying to do both at the elite level that he currently does. I mean, it's just incredible how talented of an athlete this young man is, but someone's, if someone pays him to be an ace of your rotation and an impact MVP type position player at some point in time, I don't think you're going to get a return on that investment whatsoever. Yeah, I'm already thinking about the winter meetings and the offseason. And when I run into you in Nashville, I'm going to ask you the same question. We look at the disaster that's the New York Mets, what happened with them. We look at the San Diego Padres, the amount of money they have committed. That continues to be. And there's some rumblings that there could be some financial troubles for ownership down the way. Will this year, looking at the Padres, looking at the Mets, looking at all the shortstops that signed for that money, and I'm not sure people are happy with those contracts, will people look around and go, man, that was all a bad idea, let's not do that again, or will we fall into the same trap come this winter? I think last winter was unique. I mean, if you think about it, we went through a pandemic which dramatically affected our game, affecting the entire country and every person in it. And then we got our game back on the right footing. And then it was an unbelievable group of talented players on the market. And so I think last year was an anomaly in the sense that there was money in the game and the ownership group decided to spend it on elite players. You're going to have to wait to see if those contracts are good or bad. It's hard to evaluate on a one-year basis. you got to look at that in the aggregate at some point in time. But, but Chris, I definitely think it's going to pause teams to think about making that kind of commitment again. And I think it's going to pause. You can't build super teams in baseball. You can't do what the NBA does because it takes 40 players, 26 that are on your roster, and they all have to kind of mesh together. It's not, like I say this all the time, I hope this makes make sense to you, is it about the nine best or the best nine? Because the Padres are an example of the nine best. I mean, they're like, I mean, how oh my gosh, they're one of the more talented teams in the game. But when you watch them play, they don't like fit together as a team that's playing something bigger than the person they're lockering next to. And I think great teams have the ability to do that. And I, I think it's just the same thing I said when this took place, when it happened. I think, don't think you can buy a championship. I think, like, if you just take a step back with the Padres, what was wrong with Cronyworth and Kim? Kim's having an MVP year that no awesome. one even talks about. Yeah. And just say, okay, that's our shortstop and second baseman. That's the group we're going to build around. We've got the T's coming down. Let's add to the bottom of our rotation. Let's add to the middle of our bullpen. But, man, we've got a really pretty good core here to move forward with i think there's just a danger all the time of trying to squeeze another player in thinking that's going to get over the hump when it what's going to get over the hump is how the team plays together and your culture creates this environment where there's an intolerance for anything that gets in the way of losing and when you see soto's comment coming out of that seattle thing there's no nobody that's in the way of losing. No one's standing up and saying, hey, this is unacceptable. When you watch them play, there's no sense of urgency. 
And I just feel like people will actually look at that more this winter and pause more than even the individual money spent on contracts. You can get this kind of insight. You're going to have MLB tonight coming up. It's going to be 3 p.m. Pacific, our time. Dan is going to be on. Let's end on this. I know you've created a great company with your son that can benefit hitters, players, whether we're talking baseball, softball. we got a lot of parents that watch the show. Talk about how's the company going with your son. It's going great, Chris. I mean, like any other company, we certainly have our challenges as a startup. Um, but the difference we're making in – in kids, uh, baseball, bridging the gap between their potential and performance, been, it's just been so gratifying. And, you know, in our system now, you know, like any software company, we're developing it to the point now you can hit within our system. That The newest thing that we've run out, I've done with my youngest son who plays at the University of Texas, it's called Live Pitch. So you can actually, you download it into your phone, and then your, your son or your daughter is in the, you know, the Oculus Quest 2 or soon to be Quest 3 headset. I then am the pitcher. So I can sequence my son while he is now hitting live on the field. So I can go fastball away, slider in, fastball up. So whatever I feel like he needs to work on in both his pitch recognition and his bat-to-ball ability, I am sitting in a chair while he's performing and I'm competing with him in that bats and situations i mean it is so interactive it's so emotionally cool and i you know i just feel like it's like a game changer that's never been done before and i think we just keep making more progress and more progress and more progress and i hope everybody realizes how much better they can get you know uh, he saw 77 pitches the other night in 25 minutes and he only needed to probably see 50 in 15 minutes to get better doing it and uh, that's what makes it really cool, Chris. Yeah, I, 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 the next wave, because we can do biomechanics. We do it in all sports, what the human body can do. The one thing that really is, you know, we can look at all the data and analytics and all that kind of stuff. It's, I, I guess, I try and stay in my lane, but it's neuroscience. It's the study of the brain and how do we eyesight in your brain and how your that's brain That's all we're reacts, doing, Chris. Right? No. That's what, what you guys are doing. Hitting is about the ability to map your brain, to recognize pitches as soon as you possibly can so you consistently be on time. Certainly, you have to have a good swing. You know, you have to, you know, your ability to take the bat to the ball in the correct biomechanical way is so important. But it all starts with your ability to see the ball out of the hand as you have milliseconds to make a decision. So why major league hitters are so good is because they've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of pitches. And it, all that does is, is every pitch that you see maps your cortex to recognize that's a skill that you're getting good at. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. The whole foundation of our company is simply off of that, is the understanding that the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. And the more you can do it in a competitive, real-life way, uh, the better you'll get at it, too. Is there a website people can look at? Winreality.com. I encourage everybody to go on and take a peek at it. Well, we'll promote it. Hey, it's always an honor to have you on the program. We're always smarter. Thanks, We're smarter when you come on the program. Oh, I got That's humbling. But you, you, you do a pretty good job yourself. And, hey, don't sleep on the Giants this year. They're the antithesis of the um, San Diego Padres. The sum of their parts – are way better than their individual parts. Do you worry about their lack of innings pitched by starters? Certainly. I worry about their lack of offense over the last month of the season. But I'll tell you what, they've got the third best starting ERA in the National League. They got the second best bullpen ERA in the National League. They come they just and they have a winning environment. And if they never panic as an organization, and I, you know, I I mean I don't know how good enough they are to run deep into October. But I think they're going to get in October, and when Harrison gets up there, they legitimately have three good starting pitchers. Have a great show today, and let's talk Thanks, soon. Chris. Okay, buddy. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. The great Dan O'Dowd. Join us here on A's Cast Live. I love talking to that guy. Jim, are you there? What's up, guys? How are we doing? Uh, we're doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good. I was just talking about how Power Alley's the best show on Sirius XM. No offense to all the other shows, but your show by far yes. is the best. So, so you you have Mets pregame on TV tonight, right? I do, I do. Um, yeah, it's uh, 
first off, thanks for having me on. I got, uh, yeah, we have um, Otani in town. I know yeah. you guys have seen a, a little bit of him over the years. <laughs> yeah, a little He's bit. He's a pretty good player. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk a little Otani today. Nothing like there's uh, no real important news or anything that happened over the last 48 hours for Otani either. So, yeah, we've got plenty to talk about today. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a shame because of the injury, obviously, but, uh uh, other than that, uh, yeah, everything's been uh, everything's been going well, and uh, just looking forward to the series. Actually, I'm glad you bring it up because yeah, we know a lot about it, and we we know a lot about the the business aspect of it, and I think it's really tough when they take someone like you and they say, "Well, you're in a GM. What would you offer him?" And I try and go, "Wait a minute, you don't understand what this guy makes <laughs> you financially from international money, domestic money." The return on investment, it's far more than, well, can he pitch? Can he not pitch? Can he hit? He's hes more valuable than just a player when you talk about stats. There's like a lot of people you're going to have to bring in if he's going to sign somewhere else to figure out the years, the contract, and what he's going to bring to an organization. And I got to think for someone like yourself, it's hard to explain just the true business aspect of what an Otani deal will look like. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. It, these type of decisions, when, especially when you're spending this kind of money, and you know there aren't many players that are getting this type. So when you do it, um, you really do need to include the business side in the in the equation because there are going to be what we call you know the offsets from from you know the the salary itself. So you know I saw an article recently that. Um, Otani generated about $40 million per year in revenues to the team. Now, I don't know if that's accurate. I haven't seen the numbers, but it seems logical when you look at, you know, all the advertising, the attention, uh, the ratings of the, when he pitches or when he's playing each night. I mean, the only, the only game in Japan that's broadcast these days is when Otani's playing. And interestingly, you know, Kodai Senga with the Mets is having a great year as a rookie pitcher. Um, it's going to be in the mix for rookie of the year. And none of his games are broadcast except for the one tonight because <laughs> he's pitching against Otani. So, you know, it's like, so he's generating that type of interest. Uh, you know, the, the attendance spike when he's on the mound, the promotions that they have each, each time that, they have them there um, at the Angels Ballpark. So there's all of these revenue streams that are attached to, you know, Tim. Uh, so that, that for me, helps you justify paying him what you're going to end up having to pay him. Now with the injury, the dynamic has completely changed. And I just wonder, we all thought he was leaving Anaheim. Does Anaheim now get back in it based off – He's going to probably not pitch in 2024. I don't know if surgery is going to be, but all of a sudden the doctors that you know, the trust factor, the trainers, where you feel comfortable. I mean, it's tough to really make a huge change when you have a big-time injury like this. I, I, we don't know how it will play out, but do you think there's a better chance now than before the injury that he could be back with the Angels because of the injury? So I, I think that it is a greater chance of him staying there. And I'll, I'll tell you why. First, um, you know, he, he probably you know, was going to get between 500 and 600 million this year if he, if he was healthy. Um, and I think there was going to be multiple suitors there. I think that was going to give, um, you know, other, some other teams that are willing to go to that number a better chance just because there are teams – that are you know in the postseason mix every single year, like the Dodgers, or the conversation like the Yankees or the Giants, and you know the trending in the right direction. Like there's you know multiple teams that have had way a lot more success than the Angels you know, during the Otani period. Never mind the, the Trout the Trout period. So so you start there. If if in fact he you know that's a big factor, you know, like he said, he wants to win. So so you go okay, who who has the money to pay that kind of the dough and win? There's not many of them, right? But now, now with this injury, teams aren't going to be looking at him as a starting pitcher during that whole period of time, 10 years or whatever. So the number comes down. I think the number comes down by about $150 million at least. Ooh. So let's just take, take that math, right? Take that math and say it's, you know, the number is 400 instead of 550. You know, there's more teams that are involved with that. But what if the Angels came back and said, you know what? We'll pay you. 
500 or 550. We know what your value is. We have the inside track on what those dollars economically look like. And yes, we're going to, hey, we went all in this year and we're going to go all in, you know, the next couple of years. And, and by the way, we're the highest bidder by a hundred million dollars. Does Otani turn that down? Does the agent turn that down? Boy, that's hard to believe. My, my partner today on my show, Jim Bowden, former GM, he thinks he, that Otani turns that down because $400 million is so much money, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know if he turns that down. That is a big difference if, if in fact, you know, the Angels were, were willing to go to that number. Every Sunday morning, I listen to your guy's show. As Dallas Braden called it, Jim Squared. I love listening to yeah. you guys. I wish it was on video because Bowden says some crazy stuff. I'd like to see your reaction to some of the things he says. So, well, when we're on Zoom that way, and I think he's doing it now to get my reaction because there are times where he asks a question to a GM, and I, I just start laughing yeah. into my hand over my mouth or over my eyes just because, of it. like, he just asks, he asks, you know, the questions which need to be asked, but he says it in such a way. Like, I'll give you an example. He had Mike Chernoff on. Uh, when, uh, after the trade deadline when they traded for Noah Syndergaard and they gave up Ahmed Rosario. And he tells the GM right on the air, hey, I thought that was the most boring trade. That I called it the Ambien trade at the trade deadline. Both sides, most boring uh, uh, trade that I've, that I've seen this year. Now, how, I, <laughs> the GM thinks he got a better player. Got, got a good player that's going to contribute, and he's got – He's got Bowden telling them is like the most boring thing ever. So like he'll say things like that all the time, and, <laughs> and he gets away with it because hey, he was a GM for 15 years. Hey, your trades suck. Your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, he pretty much goes. He almost always goes there. Not not not, not quite like that, but pretty close. Let, let's let's stay in New York because. Bob Clappish, who I'm sure you're dealt with, did an interview with Billy Bean. Of course, Billy Bean and Cashman have been buddies since the 90s. So, obviously, Bean was going to back Cashman and saying, you're crazy. New York hasn't had the lulls that other teams have had. But I just wonder where we are in in baseball in 2023. Because growing up and all of us in baseball for all these years and well before we were born, The Yankees always had the power of the purse. They always had the power to outspend everybody. Now in baseball, everybody's got money. Everybody. I mean, the Padres showed you that, right? The Mets, now with Steve Cohen. I mean, Philly's spending money. Seattle, Houston, Texas, San Francisco, uh, both teams in Los Angeles and Southern California. Everybody's got money. Plus, we have a soft cap with these luxury taxes. The Yankees just don't have that power. I mean, Steve Cohen could buy the Steinbrenners three times over. So it's like the Yankees' power that we always thought and we saw those years, they don't have what they used to have. And if you're not developing and you can't outspend it, everybody, how much has the model for the Yankees now changed? Well, I I think they've tried to, you know, along the way, uh, you know, keep up or – stay ahead of the curve or at least stay up with the curve yeah, as best they can. And they've gone, they've been very analytically driven here over the last couple of years. And I think it's bitten them, um, you know, a little bit, but I mean, the results, again, it's hard to win in, in the league. Once you get to the postseason, there's a lot of factors on whether you win the world series enough. They've been in the postseason for almost every single year during this stretch. Um, and they've been over 500, was it, since 1992, right? So uh, it's unprecedented success for any team, regardless of how much money you have to spend. And this is going to be the first year that they're below 500, so it's brought a lot of scrutiny on Brian Cashman and his uh, philosophies, his management style, some of his selections. But I think the primary issue for me when I look at the Yankees are they haven't kept up when it comes to drafting and developing their own. That's the bottom line, and that's how teams, you know, turn things around. They they have to do, be able to do both. Um, some of those large market clubs, they can't just spend it all like we just saw with the Mets. That didn't work, right? So so you can't chase you can't chase these championships with the dollars. You better have a well-balanced uh, uh, roster, and they have had far few uh, successes when it comes to their farm system. 
And you can't just blame the fact that they've been picking, you know, in the later parts of the first round because there's other teams like the like the Rays that have had success picking down there in the bottom round. So um, they're gonna have a, a big. It's been a disaster, as Brian Cashman said, of the of the season, and they have a lot of of uh, answers that they have to give to their owner. Um, you know, starting whenever they have their meeting. They had a meeting recently, and they're going to continue to have meetings all the way through the end of the season to see how they can fix this. All right, just two more. We look at the AL West, super competitive now. I mean, unbelievable. If the if the Rangers lose tonight, either Houston or Seattle wins, it'll be the first time the Rangers are now tied in first place since May. Jerry DePoto, somebody you bring on the front office show all the time, he's got Seattle mm-hmm. running hot once again. What are you making of this really exciting race in the AL West? Uh, boy, I tell you, you know, it's, it, the Rangers. There's two ways, two different ways to look at their at where they are right now, right? The, this this latest stretch, they've lost seven in a row. It's kind of remarkable they've been able to hold on to first place still, right? So uh, that's the 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 glass half full, uh, half empty is, man, you're you're in the middle of a seven game losing streak at the worst time of the season at the end of August going into September. This is not how you want to you know, uh, kind of march into that last month of the of the regular season. So I don't know. Texas is is uh, their schedule gets a little bit weaker, I think, after this weekend for at least a couple series, I believe. Um, so it's something that, you know, a lot of times the, the, the weakness or strength of your schedule matters down the stretch and who you're playing right at what time and and so I think that's something to kind of keep an eye on. And, you know, Houston hasn't been playing all that well either. The team that's got the momentum in Seattle, they've been, uh, you know, pouring on it kind of like what we saw last year, except, you know, Houston had that huge lead. I, I would not um, discount Seattle for this division title right now. Let's end on this. If you – and this is going to be about the A's, which obviously we know is a really tough situation. And I want you to look at this as like an advisor – if you were brought sure. in as an advisor, what advice would you give right now to David Forrest and his staff? Uh, ahead of going to Vegas or going into Vegas, I mean, listen, I, I'm going to take, until we see otherwise, I want to take, you know, Dave Cavill and their owner, John Fisher, at their word that there is going to be money to spend when the when the shovels go in the ground. They were talking about that, you know, when the – when the stadium was, um, you know, going to be built at Howard Terminal, you know, during the Olsen and and uh, Chapman period, and you know, I I felt like they were being truthful there, you know. Now because that didn't happen, I understand there's some skepticism out there, but um, I think, and I, I honestly think the best the best question for for them is, um, you know, how much money do you expect to spend? What you know, what does that look like? And if, if I'm David Forrest, I'm trying to get as many young players controllable players as i can even next year get a couple of like we saw with the nationals the nationals went outside of candle candelario and and they had a, a couple of relievers that, that they you know traded at the deadline and get some more you know prospects back and be ready to uh, be nimble so that you can fill in with free agents beyond that because i think that's that's the next best age team will be a combination of of both, but mostly it's still going to be uh, homegrown talent. And I think that's that's their way out of it. That's the best way to do it long-term. And I think they can, um, you know, they'll be able to afford some of those top talented players. Maybe Geloff is, is part of that equation, right? Maybe maybe they're, maybe Langoliers is part of that. Like there's, they have some good quality talent that you, I think, control uh, for the for the long term, but you're going to have to keep an eye on that over the next couple of years. Well, I'm not sure how your back holds up because you carry Farron. I mean, I'm a loyal listener. You it's carry daily. that guy every day. Every I mean, day. Daily. I'm glad you recognize that. Uh, I've been saying it for years, but, you know, we'll continue. And Farron, by the way, on vacation, of course, oh. the last couple of days. I mean, He's the only one who gets vacation. You're like Carl Malone. You're the mailman. You're delivering every day, and he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> he thinks he's Stockton. I don't know about that. <laughs> and and for every like <laughs> your guys' show on Sunday morning, 
for, for us true baseball fans and who love the inside of the game. Uh, that's why I always promote yeah. SiriusXM. Your guys' show that you guys do with all the power brokers in the game is great. So thank you so much. You know we yeah, always appreciate, appreciate it. it. And uh, we will be listening. We'll keep promoting SiriusXM. And just know this. We will have a present for you at the winter meetings. <laughs> All right, I will look. I will look forward to it. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again in uh, in person, like we did this spring. Always great, Jim. Take care. All right, see you. See you, guys. Bye. Jim Duquette, former GM. Now he will be GM again. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, you can watch him weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the best baseball show that there is on MLB Network, MLB Now. Plus, MLB Network's got the Phillies, the Marlins, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, our athletics, and the Dodgers tomorrow. But check out BK every morning, 9 a.m. BK, it is great to have you on once again. And the day after the trading deadline, I have to say, I missed you this morning on television. I know. Uh, well, Angels and Braves knocked me off. So, um, yeah, sorry. But you've, you've got me. Now. You have, I'm actually doing MLB tonight, this evening. So you have first shot at me today. What is, since we didn't get it this morning and before we get it tonight, what's the main thing for you after the deadline comes and goes, what was the number one thing you're hot on? Uh, I mean, there's no question. The failure of the Mets' big money experiment. Uh, you know, no matter what we thought of the team, and it wasn't just that the money, but it was coming off a very solid first year with Buck Showalter and that crew. It's the first, uh, it's kind of the culmination of that first phase of the Steve Cohen ownership. Uh, the big push, uh, you know, to get big and be a big market player. And then all the money spent where that's the largest payroll in history. And it's the largest payroll now by a wide margin. And we're talking like, with the exception, I think, one year of the Yankees about 20 years ago. There's no one who's been as far out ahead of the pack as this year's Mets. For them to be the main players and the main sellers on deadline day, is stunning. I mean, there's no bigger story. Even with the, I mean, look, the Cardinals, you know, were, were stunning fall, right? The White Sox, yet again, not stunning, but another puzzling sort of never came together. And then the Padres, Padres and Mets were together in that malaise, the kind of the new National League malaise watch, where they just can't get over themselves or past themselves. Uh, but the Mets are the ones who sold, and that's the biggest story of the trade deadline. I agree 100%. We, we were told the Mets were going to be different, and it feels like the Mets are back being the Mets before Steve Cohen. And what I think people don't realize, we're just not talking about the largest payroll in the history of baseball. We're talking about the largest payroll in the history of American professional sports and to dump it at the deadline, unreal. But that affects us out in the ALSBK because now you got Scherzer and Verlander, and it's the battle of Texas. It's the battle of the AL West. I think Verlander, the Astros were just in town. They were talking about how they've just missed him. They've missed the bravado. They've missed the dude. Talk about how Verlander comes to Houston and, and we love Kendall Graveman, too, but you bring Verlander to Houston, and boy, does that start to change everything. Well, you know, Verlander is still quite good, and it does tilt the balance of power somewhat because the teams at the top are fairly even. Uh, I, I don't think there's some runaway best team out there. And so I, I think it, it, it tilts the odds a bit. Verlander has diminished somewhat, which makes sense. He's 40. I did a whole essay on it yesterday. Uh, same thing with Scherzer. Uh, look, there's a reason why the Mets failed. 
Uh, Verlander missed the first month of the season. By the time he pitched, there were five games out. By the time he pitched his ninth game, he had a 4.50 ERA, and they were 12 and a half out, and it was over. So, you know, Verlander was not the solution. So, as much as we can, you know, he's, he's quality. You add, look, you add Lucas Giolito, you know, to your rotation, uh, which the Angels did. You're going to get better just by the virtue of a good pitcher takes a spot and everybody can move down one. That's certainly going to happen with the Astros. Verlander is still quite good. I know he's got a one five ERAs last seven. Yep. But and it, his velo is still good. But he and Scherzer are both reaching back to get that. They're gamers. They're, they're, they're Hall of Famers. They're intelligent. They use their intellect. They use the latest tools. They've got everything, but they're old. And so they're straining to get there. They're reaching back for something extra. The spin rate for Verlander is not the same. I did a whole thing on it yesterday. His action on his pitches aren't as good. He's still smart. He's going to get through. He'll still be good. But again, this is a, you know, it's an older 40-year-old Verlander. It's not like you're getting I don't know, you know, Randy Johnson was when he suddenly, you know, was traded and you have like the, you have the, the elite killer on the mound. This is a good pitcher. He definitely changes things, but it's not the same guy that we saw in 2018 and 2019. Yeah, Randy Johnson to the Astros back in the day where he went 10-1 and and was unhittable. Let's switch over to the Rangers. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, you get the reliever Chris Stratton, who can help you a lot. Austin Hedge is the catcher because Haim is out. They need a little depth there. And also Max Scherzer, what do you think about the haul for the Rangers? Yeah, no, look, that helps them a lot, clearly. Uh, they needed arms, you know. As I said, like it, it, it's, I'll bring it back to like Giolito. It's obvious when you look at the Angels. You're like, just to get a quality arm, it makes such a difference for Texas, especially with Evaldi hurt. Evaldi's on the IL. Um, most of their pitchers are right around league average or a little lower. Dane Dunning is overperformed. John Gray's been quite good. You know, Martin Perez, you know, was great last year. He hasn't been great this year. Andrew Heaney is league average. So there is some good, but it's not impressive. So you, you suddenly get a lot better. Just by virtue of now, if you have Dane Dunning or John Gray pitching a playoff game, they move down a slot. Evaldi's probably still going to be the ace. Because, again, Scherzer's diminished. Scherzer had a you – know, Berlander had a better year than Scherzer. Scherzer uh, really has not been the same this year. And he is reaching back to get everything he can. Uh, and remember, the last few years – you get to a playoff series, he's had a few times where he couldn't, he couldn't tow the rubber. You know, he couldn't make it. He has these injuries. He's breaking down. Um, he, he gets better. He's, I'm just saying, just by the virtue of that staff not being elite, no DeGrom, obviously, um, he makes them a lot better, a lot more solid, and they're already an offensive machine. Just the whole three-way thing between the Mets, the Astros, and the Rangers, it's so complicated with the amount of money that the Mets are going to send to both these teams, the amount of money the Mets should come down with their luxury tax. It's really the whole thing's unprecedented. But if we get away from these three teams, who did you say at the deadline you go, I like that, it was smart, and they nailed it? I don't know. You know, it's funny. I, I'm looking at who didn't nail it. You know, I'd have to, yeah. like, you know, who got better. I would, I, I'd say the win. The, you know, the, I, I like that the Cubs, you know, held tough. Um, you know, I think the, the the Padres didn't do much either way, which is probably fine uh, because they already have their team set. They're, they're just not winning, um, kind of inexplicably. I thought the you'd have to say the Astros are the winner. Uh, look, as much as I said that about Verlander, just to be, you know, to kind of temper expectations, that's still a big guy to land. I thought the Cardinals didn't do it in the right way. I thought they, if they were going to get out, and look, they're, they're 47 and 60. I mean, they're, just, they're not a good team. So if you're there, you're 13 under 500. Excuse me, they're, four, they're 47 and 61. I missed the loss. I hadn't updated my page. They're 14 under 500. You know, they've got a 35-year-old Paul Goldschmidt and a 32-year-old Nolan Arenado who are both hitting. They both have an OPS plus of 125, 128. So they have real value on the market. They're expensive. Goldschmidt you're only going to have for another year. The Cardinals have kind of a nice backbone of a team there, a young team. It's time to make a decision. You know, it's like, it's like teams that try to say, well, 
we can't trade our top guys because they're so good. We can't trade our second guys because they're really good. And maybe our third tier guys. And you have to tell these teams, wait a second, do you understand you're not a good team? Like, you know, so if everybody's so good, if everybody's yeah. so good, yeah. how come you're no good? You know, to paraphrase Moneyball. That's a, hey, if, if he hits so good, how come he doesn't hit good? That's like, that's what this is. And the Cardinals are kind of saying, well, we don't want to, Cardinals and White Sox are both like, you don't want to trade our secondary guys. It's like, well, you know, you're losing. You're, you're not good. So don't hold on to everybody because they're so good. If they were so good, you, you wouldn't be losing. And I'm talking losing badly. I'm not talking about, you know, Padres are just under 500. It's not like they're bad. They're just not very good. Um, White Sox and Cardinals are losing badly. It's time to shake it up and try to, you know, to say, hey, it's not working. And they had these two assets. In the, the Cardinals had these two monsters. You know, Arenado and Goldsmith, people would love them on the market. Eloy Jimenez, I would, if I'm another GM, Eloy Jimenez is available. He's never quite bloomed for the White Sox. You, you get, I would give something real to get Eloy Jimenez, but they want to hold on to their players. And I guess that it's tough to face reality in real time, in the real world, to say this is clearly not working in a big way, and we must revamp. What do you say about teams that just head-scratching? Like, I think about Jerry DePoto in Seattle. I think about Farhan, our good friend. Anytime I can kick the Giants, I'm going to take my opportunity. What the hell are the Giants doing? You know, I would just say sometimes, sometimes the doing nothing is a good thing. Uh, doing small things is usually more prudent than doing the big thing. The things that get you in trouble in baseball are the big things, right? The big signings, the $300 million contracts the aging players, the former stars, you know, trading for Giancarlo Stanton because you're in love with the power and want two big monster power hitters, um, making a deal for Albert Pujols when he was clearly in decline. These are the things that become big problems. A lot of times you just keep, keep operating on the margins, make small deals, and obviously continue to draft and develop. Look, what did the Orioles do? They got Jack Flaherty hoping, hey, let's take, you know, let's try to add to our rotation. Otherwise, they're like, Hey, we don't make big moves. We don't win the winter meetings. You don't even know we're at the winter meetings. <laughs> and uh, guess what? We have the best record in the league. So I, I, I do not punish a GM or not talk, you know, talk down on a GM who seemingly did nothing. Sometimes doing nothing is best. You know, when I think about our game, let's end on this. Why, why your show is so important is the fact for all of us in baseball who watch it, it really is an intelligent show. It's just not so many of these shows, we're just throwing up a bunch of graphics, we're showing highlights. You truly break down the sport in all in all the aspects it needs to be broken down in. Just what kind of responsibility do you feel being the host of that show, knowing that all of us are watching it and we all want a show like this that's more than just fluff and highlights? That's really nice of you to say, first of all. I, I really appreciate that. I hope there's a lot of you out there that do feel that way. Um, I look at it, and I, I've told our own people in our meetings, you know, on MLB Now, our producers, our researchers, everybody who works, our, our highlight supervisors. It's a real team effort. And I tell everybody, hey, this is a rare opportunity where we could get to do precisely the, the TV show we want to do about baseball. Like, so I look at it that way. I look at every night, I look to write something that I find fascinating. And there are tons of things to find fascinating about baseball. So I hope, and I've all, I've, through my whole career, when I was at ESPN and now that I've been at MLB Network for 11 years, 12 years, uh, I know there's an intelligent baseball audience out there that wants this stuff. And it's not as flashy. It's not as sexy. I try to make it as fun as possible. You know, we laugh on the show. We have a good time. We're not there doing math class. But I know there's a, there's a lot of people out there that want to, like, you know, are wondering, scratch beneath the surface and tell us how things really operate. And let's talk about best practices and let's talk about, you know, human bias and emotions and big business and hedge fund baseball. I mean, it's fascinating. I, I take the responsibility very seriously that MLB Network has given me. Here's an hour. Do the show you want to do. And you guys listen to each other, which is always so key in my time being in radio and in television. So many times people don't listen to each other and they just want to fight to the death for their point. 
I've noticed everybody on your panels, they get it. You guys do listen to each other. And sometimes people will say, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not right. Maybe I need to rethink it. Just talk about, too, how it's a show where everybody learns and not everybody has to fight to the death to prove they're right. Well, I, I'm glad you said that because we have a thing now this year called the showdown. Yes, right? yes. And, and I, I bring somebody on to basically, all right, let's talk about the big topics. Let's duel on it. And I'll come off sometimes and you know, my producers will say, you know, you didn't really disagree with him on anything. And I'll say, well, he was right. He had good ideas. They're like, couldn't you push back? I go, no, I'd like to incorporate those new ideas into my ideas. <laughs> if someone makes a good point, I, I, like, I, like, I think it's stronger – you know, if you're saying that's a good point, we had Joel Sherman on yesterday. We have Bob Costas on. A lot of times it's, hey, that's a great point. Mad Dog even. Mad Dog Russo will be like, dog, you're right. It's like, you're, just, you're right. You have the right sensibility. I agree with you. So when you do disagree, you can say, okay, here's where you're wrong. And that's what, that's what it's fun. But there's nothing wrong with, hey, let's, let's really think this through, experienced baseball people, and let's come to a consensus on this, you know. It's all about, it is about trying to seek the truth of an answer, right? Get the best possible answer. And there's going to be enough arguments. But, yeah, I, I've been down this road long enough now where I know, you know, you think you know, you don't know, as Jim Mora, football coach, said years ago. You think you know, you don't know. And I'm not arrogant where I think, hey, we've got this sabermetric revolution figured out, and now everybody's thinking this way, and we were right all along. Just when you get – you, just when that happens, you go from one set of groupthink to another set of groupthink. And that's kind of where we're at now, where I'm doing, if you notice, like baseball-y and unbaseball-y plays. I think now that we all value the right things, plate discipline and on-base percentage and all these things and marking defensive metrics and that sort of thing, um, it, the game is kind of like won and lost on these old-school baseball-y margins taking extra bases, limiting extra bases defensively, having baseball awareness. Baseball awareness is kind of down now. Tools are up. Awareness is down. I think that's where the game is won and lost these days. At first time I, I saw the disclaimer for the showdown, I was rolling. It was hilarious. Uh, I got to tell you, <laughs> it, it means a lot we, we, when you come on. We love the show. We love what you're doing, and, and keep doing it. We got two months left before the playoffs, but it's a show that I look forward to every single day. So always appreciate your time. You be well, and let's do this again before the playoffs. Thank you for the kind words. Always good speaking with you. Thank you. These three, three of my favorites. Want to thank Dan O'Dowd, Jim Duquette, and Brian Kenny, the host of the best baseball show, MLB Now, for all stopping by A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.